0: Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game Changing HR Leaders, presented by SAP and America's SAP Users Group
1: And here I am. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You know what I always say. If you want to run with the game changers, you're in the right place. And today it's true as always. The buzz today, well, listen carefully, and the question is, I know, I know, that's the buzz. Let me tell you more. Technology has dramatically changed our lives since 1995. It's been a short 20 years, but so much has happened. But for HR leaders, that's the show today, Game Changing HR Leaders. If technology is the answer and you're an HR professional today in 2015, big question on the table. How do you get past today? I mean, what do you have to do for day-to-day compliance and performance and recruiting and payroll and a lot more challenges? How do you get past all that that's consuming your time to understand what to do for the future? So let's play a game. All of you out there, pretend you're the king or the queen of the HR castle. And that's exactly what I've asked my panelists today. We're going to ask them to wear that crown. They are three HR. HR technology implementation experts and all-around HR gurus. We're going to ask what they would do about the future and harnessing technology to make it happen. So the question is, well, we're going to find out, but we know the answer is technology. That's the title of this episode. We are live. It's Wednesday, November 11, 2015. Happy and meaningful Veterans Day to everybody in the U.S. who is celebrating. Let's honor our servicemen and women who give so much so we can have so much. That's the end of my holiday speech. So first up on the panel... I'm very pleased to welcome Bill Gerlach, if you want to look him up, G-E-R-L-A-C-H. He's an HRIS manager, and he has selected a very interesting quote from Albert Einstein, yes, 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 the German-born theoretical physicist who developed the general theory of creativity, one of the two pillars of modern physics. And here's the quote, if the facts don't fit the theory, change the facts. Very interesting. Bill Gerlach, welcome. How are you today?
2: I'm doing very well, Bonnie. Thank you very much, and also a small shout-out to all the veterans as well on uh, today.
1: Thank you for that. Yes, we all agree on that. So, Bill, are you an Einstein fan, and do you change the facts to fit the theory? Talk to me.
2: I am an Einstein fan. I read many books on his life, not just the physics side of things, but also just him as a person and uh, how he overcame so much to give a lot to the world carried on since Uh, 1905, when he came out with the general theory. So when you look at um, Einstein and what he's done for us, uh, I think that's one of the things that we can carry forward, how we change the facts when the theory doesn't go right. uh, There's a lot lot there that relates to HR as well.
1: Very interesting. And, Bill, I have to ask you a very personal question. Are you putting on that crown to play king of the HR castle today? Because that's what we need you to do for the next hour. Are you ready?
2: It's, I'm ready, it's well-adjusted, and set to go.
1: <laughs> I'm glad. Don't let it fall <laughs> off now. We need you to keep that crown on. Sherri Ann, I hope you're not mad, but we're going to play that game on the show today. That was your idea, and I love it. <laughs> Bill, welcome to the show. We are so happy to have you, and can't wait to hear more of your words of wisdom. I think there's a hashtag, words of wisdom, because I've been using it, and Sprinkler hasn't rejected it as non-existing, so there you go. Second on the panel, very happy to welcome Luke Marson, M-A-R-S-O-N. He is the chief. Chief Cloud HCM Architect at Hula Partners. And Luke has sent me an interesting quote. We've seen it before, but it's so applicable to this topic, a quote from Bill Gates. And anybody wondering, well, of course, you know who he is. But did you know that according to Forbes, the latest tally on the net worth of Bill Gates is 792 Billion, with a B, U.S. dollars. I'll just let that kind of sit there and gel. Uh, Here's the quote. The first rule of any technology used in a business is that automation applied to an efficient operation will magnify the efficiency. And I'm emphasizing the word efficiency. The second rule, automation applied to an inefficient operation will magnify the inefficiency. Welcome, Luke Marson. How are you, Luke? Hi, I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Talk to me. Are you a big fan of Bill Gates, and do you quote him often, or just for this special occasion? Well, I just
3: thought in this occasion that the quote was very apt for the topic that we're going to talk about. Uh, I am somewhat a fan of Bill Gates and what he's done over the last few years, and I think we we all know the impact he has had across across computing um, on a personal and professional basis. Um, but I'm looking forward to talk more about HR technology today than uh, what Bill Gates has done.
1: And thank you. And do you, do you agree with our topic today, Luke? Technology is the answer. And, and are you ready to be the king of the HR castle? I have to know.
3: Well, I don't believe that technology is the answer. But I do believe that it is a critical aspect of the answer. Um, and I'm I am ready to battle it out with uh Mr Gerlach for the uh for the crown. <laughs> but I know it's gonna be a tough one. <laughs> oh yeah, a I... smart man.
1: I like this. I am rubbing my hands together in anticipation. We have never heard that word battle on SAP radio in four years at about 900 shows. I am very excited. Thank you, Luke, for bringing it. Can't wait to see you on your game for this. Very good. Sherry Ann Meyer, look what you have done. Look what you've done. You know you've what? Got Those these guys are going down, Bonnie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. sherri Ann Meyer is the sponsor of this series. She is the expert for HR, business processes, and technology. We got all the great words in there: HR, business processes, and technology at ASUG America's SAP Users Group. Sherry Ann, you are uh, you are the queen. Of movie quotes here on SAP Game Changers Radio. Of of the thousand or so people we've had on these shows in the past four years on eighteen different series, I don't think anyone has consistent who's been a repeat guest has as consistently quoted from movies. And this time you sent me a doozy. So allow me, please, to read a little clip (laughs) from a very, very, very long quote. And the the movie Cherry has picked this today to talk about is Kate and Leopold. If anybody didn't see it, as I didn't, you can look it up. But it's a two 2001 Fantasy science fiction, time travel, romantic comedy, as if that wasn't a mouthful. And one of the lead characters, Stuart, and let me see who Stewart was played by, Liev Schreiber, I'm a big fan of his. Kate is played by Meg Ryan. Leopold in the title is Hugh Jackman and on and on. And by the way, Leopold's full name is Leopold Alexis Elijah Walker Gareth Thomas Mountbatten, Duke of Albany. Okay, let's leave that one alone. And here's, did you know, of course you know that, Sherry Here's the quote that Stuart, played by Liev Schreiber, says, it's like we're riding in a supersonic train and the world is just blowing by. But imagine if we could stop that train, eh, Gretchen? He's talking to a psychiatric nurse. Imagine if we could stop that train, get out, look around and see time for what it really is. A universe, a world, a thing as unimaginable as color to a dog and as real as tangible as that chair you're sitting in. Now, if we could see it like that, really look at it, then maybe we could see the flaws as well as the form. And that's it. It's that simple. And Gretchen replies, I believe you. Oh, Sherry this is <laughs> monumental. I'm not sure what it all means, but now it's your turn. Tell me, do you love Kate and Leopold, or was this just something you pulled out of your movie bag of tricks? Talk to me.
4: Uh, my daughters will tell you it's one of my all-time favorite movies, um, but not just because it's a romantic comedy, because it sort of has so many hidden messages in it. Um, Leopold was actually supposed to be the inventor of the elevator, the Otis elevator, way back in time, and he comes forward to the future. And I just always found it fascinating, too, the movie tra- tried to portray what someone in the technology bent might have looked like that long ago, and what he or she thinks when it comes to the future and sees the technology we have, um, and then, you know, carry that forward another layer and say, you know, geez, if we could only ride that train to the future and see what the world would really look like in twenty 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 five, 20,25, whatever your view is, you know, wouldn't would make this different decisions today? And what do you think? Do you think
1: it's possible? Is technology going to bring everything to a halt so we can have that clear view, so we can stop the train, get out, and look around? Or is technology, you said in the opening, uh, per your abstract you sent me, Sherry, and technology is the answer? But is technology also a part of the problem? What do you see?
4: It's both. It's it's both mm-hmm. because it can't solve that everything. And unfortunately, the messages that uh, most HR professionals are hearing out there are muddled by what they hear from. Um, experts inside technology companies because that's who's trying to sell them something and those messages aren't wrong it's just that they're not really getting to the point where the business people need to be which is really looking at their processes first and saying how can we simplify these before we slap technology on top of that
1: okay slapping technology on top of that that may be part of our issue do you have your queen of the HR castle crown on Sherry Ann Meyer I do I do. Okay. Okay. And by the way, future-looking, a uh, uh, little birdie has told me that you are renewing this series and coming back for another ten episodes in 2016, and we're very happy about that. Are you going to be focusing on HR leaders in in the
4: new year, Sherry? Yeah, we will be focusing on HR leadership. Um, maybe not so much as HR leaders, as much as the partners and the consultants and the people like Luke and Bill out there who are trying to make a difference and trying to tell the story straight and help customers get through those stories is what we might be focusing on. Wonderful.
1: Good. Looking forward to continuing to work with you. And now... Mr. Bill Gerlach, it's time for me to ask you a very personal question, but that's part of the job of being a king is answering the questions from the common people. Oh, I like the way that sounds, and I'm going to simply <laughs> ask you. I never said that before. This is really going to be interesting, Sherry Ann. Bill Gerlach, the you common. know our series, Game Changing HR Leaders, is part of our flagship series, Coffee Break with Game Changers, uh, presented by SAP here on the also on the Business Channel. And I have to ask all of the kings and queens on the show, What's in your cup today? What are you drinking right now, Mr. Gerlach, or what are you saving up to drink after the show? Talk to me.
2: I'm going to tell you, Bonnie, it's going to be after the show. It's a, uh, a wonderful beer that uh, comes from the, my uh, hometown in Indiana. They opened up a brewery. It's called Three Floyds Brewery, and it's called Robert the Bruce. It's a, uh, a Scottish ale. So it is uh, uh, a really tasty beverage, and it's one of my favorites.
1: And what's the name of the brewery again three? what did you say
2: three floyd's Floyd's It's a, it's a family of uh, uh, three people all with the last name Floyd so that's very very
1: interesting yeah. I looked it up it's the number three and the word floyd's f l o i d s three floyd's dot com munster indiana based brewery producing not normal. <laughs> I'm sorry, (laughs) not normal craft beer since 1996, blot out the sun, beers to go, cool breeze from our humble beginnings in 1996, yum yum, warm mullet, oh, they have merchandise, clothing, dreadnought hoodies, zombie dust, I have to stop there, we could do a whole show about this. I'm glad you did the shout out, and anybody who wants to know more, go look up Three Floys, you can go to beeradvocate.com and find them as well, ratings and reviews. Thank you, Bill, that's a first for us, appreciate it. Luke Morrison, what are you drinking today, or what are you saving up after the show?
3: Well, um, right now I'm drinking a nice cup of tea, as uh, people of my, um, my country often do. I think you can probably tell from my accent where I'm from. Yes. Um, and the, uh, the answer is not Australia, which I do sometimes get.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. And tell us more about what is that tea. Come on, we want details. Oh, it's just a
3: classic English breakfast tea. Um, uh, the brand is PG Tips, of course. It's a very uh, popular brand within the UK. So I'm drinking it, of course, with milk as well. Um, very good. Really? I think later, later I may also be drinking a beer from Three Floyds, actually. Interestingly, <laughs> that Bill should mention that because I was there uh, maybe two or three weeks ago in Munster, Indiana, at the brewery. Wow.
1: What were you doing at the... Wait a minute, this doesn't even make sense. What were you doing at the brewery in, in Munster, Indiana? Oh, come on. Pray tell, kingly person, tell me. Quite, quite, quite
3: funny. I was there with somebody from, uh, from the America's SAP users group as well. Um, <laughs> uh, we, we know who to blame. Uh, I, was in, I was in Chicago for the weekend, uh, my wife uh, used to live there, and so we, we were there for a wedding, and we drove down to the brewery. It's, it's about an hour from downtown Chicago, maybe a little less, uh, depending on traffic, and we went down there with a, with a friend of mine uh, from ASUG.
1: Very nice, very nice. Well, we have an ASOG person coming up next telling us what she's drinking, so I don't know whether to blame it on her or not, but that's a great story. Thank you very much for the tea and the beer. Sherry Ann Meyer, what are you drinking?
4: I have just a latte this afternoon. next um, to up myself at SAP's Newtown Square headquarters, and I'm just enjoying sitting here sipping this right now. But tonight, Miller's Core on tap. Mm, Okay. We got a good
1: crew here. I wonder if you're all going to be toasting each other virtually from somewhere else. I'm glad to hear that. And guess what? Sherry Ann knows that they don't let Bonnie have caffeinated beverages when she's doing live radio. And today's a double header day, two shows and yesterday. So I'm really not going near the coffee right now, but maybe tomorrow I will. So guess what? We are off to a great start. We've got kings and a queen of the HR castle. And we're trying to answer the question, technology is the answer. What is the question? How do you get from today, everything you're doing as an HR leader in your organization, to the future? What will technology bring? What do you have to do to be prepared? And as Sherry Ann so aptly said, technology may be the answer, it may be the question, and it also may be part of the problem. We have a lot of things to figure out from our royal panel. Oh, I can say that. That's so cool. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to still be me after the, sh- after the break. We're going to take a quick 90-second departure here and go plan what we're going to do on the roundtable. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Justin, out.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here
4: voice america business network
0: the world of work is changing faster than ever And the future will be defined by how quickly human resources can adapt and lead through accelerated ongoing change. A corporate culture that embraces differences and innovation is among the top winning strategies for business success. How can human resources shape such a culture in their organizations? One that is moving forward in step with business development, acquisitions, mergers, digitally demanding employees and customers, and changing workforce dynamics. Join our experts as they share game-changing ideas and strategies for leading business success through the next millennium. Game-Changing HR Leaders is presented by SAP and America's SAP Users Group's Recharge HR. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Game Changing HR Leaders, presented by SAP, America's SAP users groups, Recharge HR. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Game Changing HR Leaders.
1: We are. We not only have game-changing HR leaders, we've got a panel of HR technology royalty today, just because I said so. They're all wearing their crowns and ready to see if we can tilt at some windmills and figure out some answers. Bill Gerlach is first up on the round table. and Bill, I'm looking at your notes, and you sent me a very interesting, provocative topic. Let me read a little tiny bit, and then you can run with it. You say, required or optional technology skills. That's certainly provocative. And Bill adds, there was a time before email... Sounds like a movie. There was a time before the web. There was a time before any specific technology. Oh, I don't know if people remember this. Memos were communicated on paper, delivered by hand across offices. People called people. Meetings were held to discuss topics. And each time a new technology emerged and was applied, skills needed to be changed. Okay, I'm going to stop right there because I'm having too much fun. Bill Gerlach, finish the thought and let's go. Where are you taking this
2: well, thank you, Bonnie. When you talk about technology skills, every time we've introduced something into the office place, there has been maybe a few who would say, oh, that's not for me, or I don't need it. And there's always the, the leaders and the laggers. And when you start talking about technology skills, you can go to something like email. I can remember a time when some folks had said, oh, I don't want my department messing around with that. I want them to be focused mm-hmm. on their work. And now how many people can not do their work without email? Okay. And in terms of a, a skill set, then you can get to the place where somebody says, I don't use Excel. I don't get it. I don't want to use it. And sometimes that's acceptable. So I, I wonder where the, the, Vision of the future is when there's a technology, and in some cases it gets used, maybe slower by the laggers, but they still end up picking it up, and other technologies and other capabilities in the system side that people don't use, and it's, quote unquote, okay for them not to. So when I hear things like that, it's okay for them not to know it. That gives me a pause that maybe they haven't worked it in as much to their work process, or they haven't given themselves the opportunity to really add to their skills. And sometimes organizations are okay with that. And I, I guess I reflect and say, is that really a good stopping point for somebody, or shouldn't we really demand that they kind of come up the, the level uh, higher and higher to be able to be part of where we're going as an organization? Very
1: interesting points, Bill, and as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking of many conversations Sherry Ann and I have had on so many of her, her episodes of this series about the changing face of the workforce, the fact that now we have five generations working side by side, and they have different styles of learning, different styles of embracing day-to-day processes, learning technology to the point where there's proficiency and a comfort level, and they really will use it, not just, oh, damn, do I have to, any comments before I bring Luke and Sherri Ann in here, Bill, about the workforce that has so many different styles and types of grasping or perhaps grappling with new required technology? What do you see?
2: Well, I think one of the things that uh, is important is our assessment of people as they come in and a true, honest look at their skills and capabilities, not to say that, you know, you're not good enough to be here without these certain skills, but saying, Mm -hmm. I know that you've passed through the recruitment process and we're onboarding you, and we really want to know what you can bring to the table and what the company needs to fulfill in you. But I think we also have to look at the folks who have been here a long time and say, where and how can I retool them? And I think it's that continual improvement and assessment of people's skills about what is needed to do their job, be it the process side or the technology side.
1: Thank you very much. Luke Marson, love to hear what you have to say. Thoughts, please? Well,
3: I think I think Bill is, is pretty spot on with um, just about everything he mentioned there. Uh, you know, technology has a, a definite place, but it's getting that balance right and I think you know bill alluded to the change that technology brings in an organization in his in his first statement uh, about about email uh, how once upon a time that was seen maybe as a distraction now it's seen as 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 a critical a critical tool for working but it is a distraction still at the same time um, and that's also sometimes a challenge with uh, with technology is it becomes too prominent and too relied on, and it and it and it doesn't do what it's supposed to do, which is to be an enabler, to enable processes and enable people to execute processes or to do their work in a more efficient way, as opposed to uh, as opposed to the way sometimes it it becomes the be all and end all, and as I mentioned, it can become a distraction sometimes. Or, or, or maybe it just takes up too too much time, when the the whole nature of the technology is to to make things more efficient.
4: Thank you, Luke. Sherry Ann Meyer, thoughts? Well, I think that's really interesting because it is supposed to make us more efficient. But I think um, both gentlemen hit upon something that's in common. The problem is learning, right? And the problem is that we see, in my mind, is that we see an HR today only. They can't see past today to the future. Um, And Bill and I have been on some implementation projects together, and we both know that we've been told by business at one point, well, the technology isn't going to drive our business decisions. And that may be, I mean, that's probably a good statement, but, you know, sometimes you have to bend your business processes, too, for simplicity and the overall profitability of the firm. And HR is not a profit center. So, mm-hmm. it's time they start thinking about how they can contribute to the bottom line by being more efficient, by ensuring that people are trained to use the tools that they provide them. And by the way, what are those tools? What What is the skills that you're expected to come into the workplace with today or expected to develop for next year? Because I've rarely seen on anyone's performance plan learn Excel. And I've actually had co-ops from college come into the workplace, never had an Excel class, and not know how to use Excel. So I think there's Mm. just so much technology out there right now that's part of the problem is what do we expect somebody's basic core capabilities to be when they walk in the door? And if they don't have all those capabilities, what are we doing to develop them? And what are we doing to develop people that are currently there? Great points. Bill Gerlach,
1: would you like to respond to either or both of your co-panelists?
2: Well, I think my panelists are um, you know, really understanding this issue and when we talk about skills, we're talking about people. And when we're talking about people, it's making those assessments. Uh there's certain easy rules of thumb like the uh the you know, like the the implementation approach that says, "Hey, you know, we're not going to let the technology drive what we're doing." Uh, but at the other hand, you have to have basic proficiency and there's certainly levels of expertise that are required to be able to get and hit some of those efficiencies that need to be there. So I would say, you know, they're, they're right on. I think in terms of the skills, uh, it's quite a laundry list anymore of what you need, especially if you start to think about mobile apps and other things like that that then push the boundaries with, you know, your technology and the technology base that you're using.
1: Thank you very much. Luke Marson, I'm looking at your notes. You sent also a lot of very interesting interesting statements uh, for our topic today about is technology the answer? Is it the question? Is it the problem? Very interesting. Let me just read one statement, then I'll have you expand it. You say, it is all too common for HR organizations to look at technology as the solution rather than the enabler. Great point. Luke, you want to take this further for us, please? Yes, I would. Um,
3: and, it's, and, and, and I did mention just in my previous comments some, some thoughts about that. But really, HR shouldn't be looking at technology until they understand what their true vision is for human resources, and they understand what their strategy is, and they understand how they impact the goals and the bottom line of the organization that they are part of. Because ultimately, human resources is about driving people and driving productivity and making the workforce be the most valuable asset that a business has. And we all hear organizations talk about you know, their employees are the most valuable asset. But really, it's down to HR to actually make that happen and make employees be the most valuable asset in an organization. And once they know how to do that, that's when technology can come in and enable that and help drive that to, to make the organization successful.
4: Thank you, Luke. sherry thoughts? Yeah, I really, I really like what um, Luke said. I like that idea of technology is the enabler, it's not the solution. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think HR waits so long sometimes to get approval for a project to do something new with tech to get a new appraisal system in or a new payroll system in that by the time they they get it in, they're really not prepared to change their own processes and they haven't even thought about, do our processes even make sense? And that's a difficult one because in the HR realm, they're working on compliance. They're working on things that um, that are people-related that are time-sensitive They're often in a real tight crunch. They're running... The people that I've seen in HR anyway seem to be living moment to moment and so how do you get them out of that moment to moment to say, what should our processes look like? And you know, how do we have the capability to question them about their processes? I've seen some really great processes in HR business and yet I would say to them, but why? Why are you doing that process that way? You know, And if I had the chance to sit down with everybody around the table in HR, I would ask that question over and over and over again. Why are you doing that? Because that's going to cause more work. That's going to cause a system change. What's the business imperative? What's the business imperative to the bottom line of the company for you to do things that way? And I don't think HR gets enough time to think about that holistically, across the whole organization, nor do they take the time to sit down and allow themselves to be challenged by people thinking that way. Interesting. Bill Gerlach, agree, disagree?
2: I'd like to actually take it a step forward and say mm-hmm. that uh, there's sometimes, in what Sherry uh, was describing happens, there's times, though, that um, you're going to get people who think a lot about something, but within their silo within HR, so let's say it's the performance management function. They could sometimes go through and articulate what their process looks like, uh but it's when it needs to connect up to say compensation. Or it needs to take a look at uh, development plans and things like that. That you start to go, okay. Now, how do we then get training to that person to increase their performance? Well, that's somebody else's problem. And when you start to look at, and I, I think Luke was was saying it right, is that you know HR needs a, a vision and the strategy to go with it, the systems to support it, and the processes that support it. That when you get down to that level, you may find that you have somebody who is very hyper-focused in one area of HR, but doesn't really blend across all the areas of HR. So when you go and get a solution set from them, it's well thought thought through and with a lot of uh, ideas on possible uh, system solutions to their problems, but doesn't really focus on how do we make the entire HR organization better. And that's where I think sometimes you can get a siloed thinking so you get the detail you want, but it's only for one particular section.
1: Thank you, Bill, and everybody. I have a question for all three of you. When introducing a new technology is it a democratic process of having internal focus groups within HR? Uh, talking about silos, Bill, one person says, oh, I just heard about this, Great, you know, three of my friends at this conference are using this in their companies, and it's great, we have to do it. That in itself could be that person's silo. They're not in the trenches, if you will, with with everybody in the organization who will have to use this. Is there such a thing as getting a, a sample or a trial and getting and getting a couple of your people to take a quick and dirty training? course and say, let's trial this for a week or a month and see if we want to launch it or spread it out to the whole HR organization? Bill, first, what do you think?
2: Well, Absolutely, Bonnie. There's the, there's the need to do that, but the desire to do it isn't always there. Mm. Uh, sometimes it's easier to just say, hey, we have this technology, we've gone through all the steps, let's go ahead and put it in. And I know one of the things that um, I think organizations lack is the assessment, like a focus group or a pilot group that tries it and really tinkers with how it works. It kind of gets back to that Einstein quote to a little degree in that, mm-hmm. you know, if we're kind of working with something, if the facts don't fit, change the, the theory, and the theory might be we're not doing things exactly right. So, um, you know, we, we do need to go back and assess. The assessment is is key. The problem is you we're usually so far down the line that when you finally get, let's even say, the technology available for a uh, proof of concept, you probably committed your organization somewhere along the line to using it. And I think it goes back to how much configuration and change is possible based on the results of a pilot if you could do one. And I have seen successful pilots that tell us, hey, maybe we don't have everything straight the way we thought, or maybe we made too many assumptions, but that's, I think, why you want to do pilots. It's just I don't see them being done as often as they probably should, particularly around new technologies and new processes.
1: Thank you very much. Luke, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, and then sherry of course.
2: I think there's good
1: points, um, and there is often –
3: Often quite quite siloed working in in areas of the business, whether it's in HR or outside. I mean, in terms of introducing new technology, uh, I've seen different examples. I've been working with a customer recently where the vice president of HR came back from a conference, turned around to IT, and said, I want you to implement this software suite. And that was it. There wasn't really any evaluation, there wasn't really um, a discussion. It was simply, we're going to use this, put it in. You know, and, and then you get the other approaches where there will be an evaluation uh, across different areas of the business. So it'll be different areas of HR, different areas of IT. There'll be some of the business users. So I may have a team of five, ten, or you know, even more in some cases I've come across, where they will evaluate different software solutions. Um, irrespective of which vendor they're using right now and look at what is going to be the best fit either for specific processes or just generally across a number of processes. And that's the approach that I really like when um, you know, an organization taken a holistic approach to, to software selection and to process design and to the impact across different areas of their business when they're looking at introducing one, two, three, or, you know, an entire suite of different applications.
1: Thank you, Luke. sherri a lot going on here. What do you see? Pilot something, bring it in a little at a time? Who gets to say, yes, we're going to make these changes, or gee, maybe not? Who Who has the pause that may or
4: may not refresh? Well, it's really interesting because we've come so far in technology, actually, Ironic that we're talking about moving further ahead, but we've come so far that sometimes doing an assessment isn't all that simple. So, can you bring in a piece of technology through your IT infrastructure and use it right away? Now, with cloud, that might be possible, Um, but I don't think that... I think Bill's right. I don't think HR has explored that possibility um, or even just studying it more in depth themselves. And very often, one or two people do have something in mind that they want to push forward, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you could really do assessments or trials ahead of time without losing a lot of time and productivity in the interim, um, although many organizations operate on an analysis to paralysis anyway, so maybe they're just wasting time in a different way. I think <laughs> basically, in my mind, the time to think about new technology isn't when you're buying it. It's all the time.
1: Okay. And and let me ask a question. If uh, Well, we put the crown of royalty on the the heads of all three of our panelists today. So let me just take a step back here and ask Bill Gerlach, uh, what would your mantra be if you were the king of technology and maybe you already are at your company or whomever you advise or counsel or consult with? What would your rule of thumb be before adding new technology? I'm going to go around the panel and ask this before we move on to another
2: topic. Bill? Sure, Bonnie. The uh, rule of thumb I would use would be, is it appropriate? Now, in terms of trying to look at the technology and say, is this overkill? Is it just barely good enough? Or are we hoping we get it to work when we implement it? And I I would say, you know, is it appropriate? You know, really trying to understand the measure by which we will measure. Uh, And that's usually the key, saying, you know, you can twist facts and numbers all you want. It's do we agree on how we're going to measure something, and is this appropriate? I've seen technology used where the um, final end user looked at this and go, this is much more than I ever would have asked for and then, oh, by the way, there's three people that support it in the background, uh, versus, hey, you know what, we're, we can't do enough with the tool you gave us, so we're, here's the uh, Word document that we attach to everything to really retain everything. So you have those two blends. So I would say it's really, you know, is it what's the appropriateness of the tool, and do we have a very good view as to how to measure that?
1: Thank you, King Gerlach. I appreciate that. Now, King Marson. What do you see? What do you think from the from the the ruler's throne? What would you advise companies in terms of considering and buying and implementing new technology for HR?
3: Well, it's not often I get called king, so uh, <laughs> thank you for making me feel special for a day. I try. Um, <laughs> hopefully, I'll carry that on when I get to uh, share his Recharge HR conference tomorrow sure you will. <laughs> I, I believe that the, the HR needs to definitely make sure it's got its house in order long before they decide what technology they want to use. I think until they know what they want to do in terms of HR and how they're going to do it and how they're going to measure their, their effectiveness um, and their change and what value they bring to the business, it's hard for them to even look at the technology. So definitely those are things that, that have to be done. They have to be done at a high level in HR, and they have, to, they have to be done so that the organization can then start looking at its processes and then look at what technology is going to support those processes. Of course, there might be a whole bunch of, of process rework that may have to be done, depending on when they first define those processes especially if they're a number of years old. Um, they, mm-hmm. need to, they might need to look at, at how they can make those more efficient, how they can enhance those, um, and also how new technology is going to apply into those as well. Because it's one thing designing processes, but of course you need to have a system that, that, that works, that enables those processes, that works for them. Some systems have, uh, you know, I wouldn't say predefined processes, but they have best practices that can be modified And that's something to consider when you're looking at processes is is do we want to redesign our processes now or do we want to do it as part of an implementation of this piece of software or do we just want to have a look at these different types of HR software and define whether that piece of software has the sort of best practice processes that we want to use or whether they can support the types of processes that we think we're going to need as we get down the road. You know, and it all, you can kind of see that it ties in together, the process and the technology. It's almost a chicken and the egg about what you do first. Um, and that's why it really needs to be a, a collaborative effort, and it needs to be an amount of due diligence done and research into that software and into your processes kind of hand in hand so that you can make the best decision and actually get a software that is going to be an enabler and isn't going to end up overcomplicating the process for the sake of the technology.
1: Thank you, Luke King. King, Marson, you still are as long as we're on the air. You're king for us, king for a day or for at least an hour of 57 minutes. If you want to cut it close to the chase, Queen Ann Meyer. I'm sure you've waiting. You've been waiting patiently for me to say that. What do you see in terms of what would, from your queenly perch on today's show, what would you advise in terms of embracing and implementing, or just having the need to go look for a new technology? Why, when, how? Talk to me. I think
4: I heard Bill say appropriateness and measurements and Luke say process reviews and understanding and alignment and collaboration. And I think I might be going a step further deeper than that um, or a lower level than that, but I would say that it's clarity. Um, HR needs to be able to answer the question, what is the problem you're trying to solve? Mm -hmm. Why does it exist? Why do you think it exists? Maybe it doesn't really exist. Why do you think it exists? Or who thinks it exists, who brought you this problem? What is the impact of the change? What's the impact of no change at all? They have to be willing to sit at a table, to Luke's point, a collaborative table with IT at the table with them to let somebody ask those high-level questions and then let somebody drill down into why do you want to make this change and what will this change mean to you? What will you save in time, in money? Or what will you gain eventually over the course of three to five years by having this new technology in place? What will you avoid? Those things are hard questions that need to be discussed around the table before they're ever put into a PowerPoint presentation to someone to recommend a change. I think everyone has to be on the same page and be clear on exactly what change they think they need to make. They all need to agree and hold hands around that um, and be clear that they're going to have to accept a lot of change internally and bring their employees through a lot of change to make that happen. And then they just have to be willing to collaborate and get it done. Thank you,
1: sherri And I'm going to turn to you now. I'm looking at your notes because we, let's see, well, we have about six minutes till we go into our crystal ball predictions round. I'm looking at something very interesting here in your notes. And I'd like to bring this up. You say probably, the most interesting and uncertain change for HR to undertake in technology is the idea of social collaboration. There's a key phrase for us, and sherri adds, I think businesses have seen the value of social tools in recruiting, using tools like LinkedIn to recruit. But, she adds, and here's where Queen Meyer is going to elaborate, they're not really thinking broadly enough. What does this mean, sherri
4: I don't think HR knows how to use the social tools, and maybe they know and they're just scared of it. I think fear is a large part of it. When you open up the door and say we're going to be social about anything, whether it's TripAdvisor reviews of hotels and restaurants, any type of software like that, or it's about what's going on inside your company walls or what should be changed, like the proverbial suggestion box, social is not private like the suggestion box was. And I think there's a lot of fear in HR of having things spiral out of control if everyone has a say in everything. But the truth of the matter is everyone does have a say in everything today. The technology that's out there allows people to say something all the time, anonymously. Um, And it is happening. Um, So don't you want your workforce going forward into the 21st century to be the most up-to-date and informed and taken care of workforce that you'll keep them. I mean, maybe you don't. That might not be a strategy that applies to your organization, but if it does, I think that it's far greater to have... A far greater benefit to you as a company to have an open communication policy that allows those kinds of dialogues to occur with respect, of course. We don't want to see foul language out there. We don't want to see people bashing Mm -hmm. people, but let's have an open-door policy of communication. And I think they fear that so much that they have failed to incorporate social collaboration tools into many of the things they do, including things like even just performance discussions. Wouldn't it be great if you had a performance discussion that was kind of year-round, you know, even if it was through technology because you're in remote parts of the world, that there was something other than email where you're documenting um, what you did or what you had a problem with. Instead of getting to the end of the year and then looking at this mountain of stuff you've done, and think... How do I consolidate this into five points of what I've accomplished this year? Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot more benefits for it than what it's been used for in learning, and talent management, um, in payroll. I think it should be embedded in part of all the self-service tools that employees get to use. Very provocative
1: thought, and we haven't discussed that yet on the show, so I can't wait to hear what King Gerlach has to say first
2: and then King Morrison. Bill? There's a, there's a there's a lot in there, and I think when you uh, <laughs> start to look at what Sherry's saying, I, I would I would say that the um, you know approach people want to take or need to take is when HR has these capabilities of opening things up, it's understanding what opening means, and I use uh, an example I'm familiar with that you know there were certain websites that were similar to LinkedIn but not quite. And they were sharing, you know, company kind of information. And there's been times when people say, no, we don't want anybody on that website. And went as far as to, uh, to block that website uh, internally. And I've seen that happen. And I go, you know, it, it's one thing to say you want people exchanging ideas, but only on a particular platform. I think those ideas, like Sherry had said, are going to be you know, out there. People are communicating. We might want to find the right one that works for our culture. And I think, you know, Sherry's point was, you know, you know, some organizations want, um, you know, or, or need different ways to communicate. And I would say that there is a way to get that out there. I mean, it would be nice if you had Twitter for work. You know, kind of concept where you can just tweet people internally, so we can talk about internal stuff uh, with the you know within the boundaries of the politeness and the correctness of uh, the way we speak with each other in our in our own companies. But at the end of the day, it sure be nice to say, hey, you know what? I noticed this. You know, who else thinks this is important? Uh, could be a safety-related issue. Hey, you know what? Don't use the back stairs. There's a there's a trip hazard. Or it could be something where, where <laughs> mm-hmm. it's you know uh, about uh, you know we all need to come together on a particular topic. What do you think we're going to vote in the next 24 hours? You know, I you know my organization just had a contest for renaming all the conference rooms. Okay, that would have been a really good one to not just do it with an email back and say here's my ideas, but yeah. really have a collaborative effort around it. And it sounds simple. But, you know, we did the whole thing, got the the emails back. People had it in Excel. They went and then voted. It could have been a real collaborative thing. What do you think we, if we rename all of these, what would you like? And then see what was trending and use those tools that way. So there's a lot of opportunities to take advantage of technology and make it more social uh, because no matter where people are, they can connect and do the work. They didn't have to physically be here. And those are the types of things I would look at and say we can start to let HR nibble on the corners until they say, hey, I feel more comfortable. Because guess what? There is Glassdoor out there where people are telling what they're making, what they thought of the interviewing, whether they like the CEO. It's all out there. And how we as HR professionals incorporate that back in, do we then answer those questions on Glassdoor? Do we have a page on LinkedIn that discusses issues that people have had and really be open Those are where the folks who have vision and do get the social part of it within a corporate context can definitely make a a stride forward. I'd even venture that's a, a large leap forward in social media.
1: Very exciting. I think we need a whole new episode to continue this conversation, sherri because we are at the point where we have to move ahead. We've got five minutes left. Have to move ahead. But, King Luke Marson, I need to get your input before we give everybody one minute for crystal ball predictions. So, Luke, what do you see in terms of the idea of incorporating social tools beyond recruiting? As Sherri-Ann said, think more broadly and the great example King Gerlach gave us. What do you see, King Marson? <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> there are a number of different use cases um, across the board, inside and outside of Haysha and, you know, across line of businesses and different departments and teams. You know, you can use social collaboration. Learning is a very popular uh, place where you can use social collaboration um, in learning rooms and helping people to share ideas and answer questions. But there are some maybe less... Uh, common or less sort of these cases might be as part of a leadership program you know uh, developing leaders um, uh, looking at successes either as, as more front facing um, leadership training and mentoring groups for those that are part of a program or more kind of back office for the the, the talent professionals who are actually discussing different candidates and um, putting examples of what they're doing and whatnot. You know, and, and then, of course, there's, there's, you know, project-based use cases. You can, you know, talking about you have a new HR project, you want to introduce a new policy, you can discuss that, share policy documents, make changes to those documents within um, your social collaboration tool or, you know, upload new versions and whatnot. And then sales can use these things, marketing. I mean, that. that you know the, there are a number of different use cases and as you said you're quite right this could be a whole show
4: mm-hmm.
3: uh, on itself to talk about this topic so I don't want to take up too much more time um, well, you know what, it's it. time
1: for, we have to look into the kingly and queenly crystal ball because I can give you each yeah. just one minute exactly. Thank you, King Marson. I'm sure, sure, uh, Sher- Ann, you gave me this game and I'm playing it all the way to the end here. So yes, <laughs> we should have started in the beginning. King Gerlach, King Marson, King Meyer. Okay. All of the kings and queens, you have exactly 60 seconds. Look in the crystal ball and tell me, what do you see? Do you like the year 2020 like I do? What will be different about this conversation if we met again? And I think we'll meet way before then. So King Bill Gerlach, prediction, 60 seconds. Keep it tight. Go.
2: 2020 is going to show a lot of mobile. It's going to be where your workforce may not be your whole workforce, but for you all the time. I think you're going to see a lot of job sharing, not only within the company, but across companies. I think you're starting to see that with a lot of people who do uh, uh, electronic work for others, and that is then, you know, segmented across different companies. Uh, But as we look out to 2020, the mobile technology wedded with the ability to be anywhere to do your work and focused on the fact that we need to be able to know who's doing what work is going to be the, the picture of tomorrow uh, out in 2020.
1: Thank you. King Marson, I hate to break it to you, but you get 30 seconds for predictions. Please go fast. Go.
3: HR are going to be giving all of the employees hoverboards. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> it would be, be great if they could. Um, I, think, I think hopefully by 2020, HR are really going to be using um, analytics to help um, the organization to better predict, to better measure, to better find efficiencies within the organization, and and actually to be able to continuously innovate their processes and their programs, um, in things like learning and talent development and whatnot, based on analytics and the data that they are accumulating within their different systems. That is my hope and dream. And I, I do expect it at some point to become a reality. Will it be 2020? I don't know, but that's what, I, that's what I'd like to see.
1: Thank you. And Queen Sherry Ann Meyer, I can give you less than 30 seconds. So give me just two sentences. Top prediction, go.
4: I'd like to hoverboard. Um, I think that um, HR needs a CTO of its own. Um, HR technology and HR processes are so different that in order for them to move ahead and really embrace these technologies, um, they need an HR chief technology officer. And it might not, I don't even think the term HR will apply anymore, but it's a a workforce technology officer because we will have robotics. We will have more contingent workers in the workplace 2020. Um, And I think it's going to be vastly different than what we're looking
1: at today. Thank you very much. Bill Gerlach. Luke Marson Sherry Ann Meyer what a pleasure what a privilege great conversation we had the king and queens of the HR castle and the HR castle will never be the same thank you so much everyone for making this such a great conversation thank you to Justin our engineer at the Business Channel for getting us on the air and keeping us on the air I'm Bonnie D. Graham for SAP Game Changers Radio and I'll be back tomorrow morning let's see that's our fifth live show this week tomorrow morning 10 a.m. Eastern here on the Business Channel with Meet the Visionary Game Changers we're going to be talking about how technology can help slice, no pun intended, sports injuries down to a reasonable amount. Is it ever too many? It's always too many, of course. We're going to be talking with someone, a senior VP from the WTA, Women's Tennis Association, and other great panelists. So you don't want to miss that one. Tune in. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a good one. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Game Changing HR Leaders, presented by SAP and America's SAP Users Group. The best run businesses run SAP and run simple. Tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO and Twitter handle R-E-C-H-A-R-G-E-H-R. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.